Sisters and elders, welcome to another episode of the Infield Language Learning Podcast. My name is Ashley Southard, and I'll be your host this episode. Today, we're going to talk about how you can practice your mission language throughout the day. We hope that this episode will help you increase how often you're using your mission language throughout the day and be able to communicate with your companion and with others in meaningful ways. Our guest today is Dr. Troy Cox, a professor in the linguistics department at Brigham Young University Provo. Welcome. Can you take a minute and introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm actually really excited to be here. I've done a lot of work with the MTC over the last few years, um, including doing a language needs analysis for the missionary department where we did focus groups with missionaries. We did a lot of research. So this is a, an area that's near and dear to my heart, and I actually have some research that, that backs up some of the advice that I have. So Excellent. We are really grateful to have you here and really excited to hear what you have to say. So the first question I wanted to ask is, why is it so important that missionaries are practicing their language throughout the day? Let me take a, a step back to know what we know about language learning in general. Language learning has a few different processes that happen. One is that you're getting input from the language, so you're being exposed to it. So you're listening and you're reading. And if you think about when you're a child, babies often just listen for a while. And that also is true with language learners. But then you need to actually start speaking the language and you start noticing the difference between what you're saying and then what you've heard. You notice the difference between what your output is versus what your input is. And if you can notice the difference between those two things, then you're able to make improvements and progress. In general, when you're in the field, it's important for you to actually speak so that you can notice yourself what your difference is between the natives that are around you and what you're actually producing. And that way you can, you can make goals on what you can do to improve. So it sounds like speaking, obviously, is a very important part of that output, but noticing is also essential if missionaries want to improve their language. Yeah, exactly. I, I like to compare it to, was it Mormon, where he says that you, know, that you are quick to observe? When you're quick to observe, you can start noticing how people in different environments speak the language differently. Oftentimes you just assume, oh, this is how all people speak this language. But it's not, you know, it's going to vary depending on a number of factors. The other thing that happens is that oftentimes the people that interact with missionaries are so kind and they're so understanding and they pull their punches. They speak nice and slow to you so that you can understand them very clearly. And the minute that you leave, then they start talking regular speed with their friends. So as soon as the missionaries come up, then all of a sudden the conversation slows so that you can participate. And then when you leave, then they start speaking regularly. And so one of the pieces of advice I did give my daughter is when you see a group of natives talking together, if they change when you come, then you need to realize that you're still not at their level yet and they just want you to be included. Interesting. So one way a missionary could maybe practice the language is for example, they're at church, the sisters are sitting in Relief Society, listen to the conversations around them among the native speakers because, like you said, the native speakers may be changing their speech once the sisters join in the conversation. Exactly. We do the same thing. You know, like when you have someone that's, that's a second language speaker come and start talking with you, our first desire typically as humans is to have connection with each other. And so in order to have connection, 
we're going to slow down and we're not going to use as much slang. We're going to maybe, you know, like we're going to use more simplified terms. And the problem with that is that if they're modifying their language to make you feel connected, then you're not being aware of how, what you need to reach the next level. And so that's why it's important for you to practice your output. I like to think of it as agency. When you're very first a language learner, you don't have any choices. You're just hoping that you can make, your, make sense and someone can understand you. But when you start learning more, then you can use agency and you can choose. Language learners, they often make these mistakes without even being aware of it. They figure out the one way to say it and they think that's the only way to say it. And then they sort of, we call it in linguistics, we say they fossilize. They turn into a fossil that they no longer grow. And so the idea is that I would hope that while you're out in the field that you're always seeing ways that you can improve. What you said reminded me of a paragraph in Preach My Gospel, Chapter 7, in the section, Be Dedicated and Diligent. It's on page 140. It says, Keep improving your language skills until the end of your mission. As your ability to speak the language grows, people will listen more to what you say than to how you say it. You will be less worried about how to communicate and better able to respond to the needs of others. And if you have that as your mindset, the problem that most of the missionaries that, that come back to BYU and start studying the language classes is they, they think that they have learned it all. They, they quit. They sort of get to the point where they can get their point across, and then they, they no longer can identify their own mistakes. So, Troy, missionaries may be hesitant to practice the language sometimes because they may think it's not worth it to practice when they're not in real world situations, right? It's not worth practicing with my companion when we're alone in our apartment. But how does that prepare you for those real world interactions? Well, I think in some ways it's like, let's take an analogy like a basketball or soccer or whatever, like you've got to do drills. And so in essence, when you're speaking with your companion, it's not an authentic situation, but it's like you're, you're doing a scrimmage so that when you actually get into the game, you, you don't have to think about it, that it's become automatized. And so that's the, that's the reason why it's valuable. I think sometimes we assume that the gift of tongues means it's going to happen automatically, but if we're not working, why, why would the Lord bless us if we're too lazy to, to do stuff that we know that will help us improve? I think we need to assume that we're like, work like it all depends on us and then pray that it all depends on the Lord. I love that thought. How can missionaries practice with their companions if their companion is at a different language level than they are? One of the cautions that I need to give, when you have language learners speaking with each other, what can develop are what are called pigeons. What a pigeon is, is that this is a linguistic term. When you have a people from a bunch of different language backgrounds coming together, they're all speaking a non-native language to communicate with each other. And because they don't have, they're not getting the input from, from native speakers, they start speaking a version of the language that doesn't quite conform. So this is one caution that you need to be aware of, that when you're speaking with language learners, and if you hear me and I'm your senior companion, and you hear some form that I use over and over, it may not be that that's the correct form. And you may pick it up without realizing that it's not the correct form. So you need to be careful when you are speaking with your companion or with someone else. Just sort of store that in the back of the mind and say, okay, this is a language learner. How does this compare to what I hear out in the real world? And the reason why I mention this is that I have a very good friend of mine um, teaches the CLS, the Center for Language Studies, one of our less commonly taught languages. She told me that there are language errors that she only hears from people that have served missions. And what we assume is happening 
is missionaries, like senior missionaries, are passing it on to the new missionaries that come and then the next generation of missionaries that come so that they have these sort of weird linguistic forms that are atypical of other language learners. So be aware of that. And just know that that is, a, that is a possibility. And I'm guilty of it myself. I served in Italy and we used to just sort of joke. And so we were like, oh, tract. Let's go tracting and say like tractiamo. No one in Italy would say that. Yeah, this is sort of a missionary thing. But if someone were a brand new missionary and they're hearing tractiamo, like, oh, that must be an Italian word. When, it, when indeed it's really sort of a mission word. But being engaged in language play is really good because that helps you start thinking about the way the rules work and being involved with that. And then when, you, when you're engaged in this language play, then when you're out in the field and you're noticing, is this the same or is it different? And if having the humility to be willing to change and realize, okay, I need to change this because this isn't standard. So I would say that when you're with your companion and you're at different levels, just engage in it and you're gonna be setting an example and just be aware that it, you're not gonna be giving the perfect example, but you're helping develop those pathways of automaticity and if you're always in a growth mindset and you're willing to embrace your failures and just sort of laugh, laugh them off and just say, okay, this was a great failure. What am I going to learn from it? If I could give one piece of advice, I would say every day, maybe make a note of what your top five failures of the day were and just rejoice in them. Because when you identify a failure and you learn from it, the lesson is so much stronger than if you haven't identified what the failure is. So if you could just say, what was my biggest failure today? How can I improve? And then just do the linguistic equivalent of repentance. What word do I need to learn so I don't make this mistake again? How can I better use the vocabulary? That would be my advice on that front. Yeah, I actually remember a moment on my mission. My trainer wasn't a native Spanish speaker, but I remember a moment where I said something in front of a member, made a mistake, and the member kind of laughed in a good-natured way and corrected me, and I never made that mistake again yeah. because... I, like you said, was able to identify the mistake, learn from it, and that stuck with me, and I still remember that. We need to reframe failure. We are so afraid of failing that sometimes it inhibits us from even trying. I'm talking to you, my young friends. If I were talking with you and you were afraid to open your mouth because of failing, I would say just embrace the failure. Just know that you're gonna, it's going to happen. And the reason I say that is that if we think about the plan of salvation, we came to earth knowing that we would fail. But then we have a savior that will, it's like we can learn from our mistakes and we can become better. Well, just think of that as your language. Like, just know that you're going to fail. The first time you're going to try something, the first time you're going to try to offer a prayer in front of someone, it's going to be a nightmare. And just take a deep breath, learn from it, and what can you do better the next time? Elder David F. Evans, who is an Emeritus General Authority 70 in those Gift of Tongues videos, said, It's following the counsel in the scriptures for missionaries to actually open your mouth. So many missionaries are afraid of making a mistake that they never do what they've been commanded to do, which is to really open their mouths. We found that when we had the faith to open our mouths and do what we were called to do, that no one was ever hurt because of our language. So do you have any suggestions of things missionaries can do or resources they can use to practice the language or notice the language when they're out and about? You know, when I, when I was doing the research with the um, on the language needs analysis, a lot of that was dependent on the mission president. So many mission presidents had guidelines on what missionaries could and could not watch or listen to, you know, in their missions. I would say, you know, first of all, be obedient. But second is that if you're getting stuff that's 
um, geared for natives, native speakers for other native speakers. Maybe look at the um, church's localized websites. You know, so it's like if you're in Spain, well, what does the Spain website have? What are some of the stories that are there that are, you know, written in that area? Of course, you know, it's always helpful to read your scriptures. You know, in general conferences is great. The one caution with that, though, is that because a lot of that is translated and interpreted, you you don't know the quality of the interpretation or the translation. And then I would say that... um, you know, first of all, talking with people and then maybe just making goals on what are what are some words that you need, wanted to say that you couldn't say. Here's what I would recommend. For every principle of the gospel that you teach, think of a personal experience for how you gained a testimony of it. So think of the Book of Mormon. How did you gain your testimony of the Book of Mormon? Can you think of a single experience? Like, you know, and it may be that it was gradual, but think of a single experience, because when you think of a single experience, what it forces you to use is different tense and aspect. Now, this is a really linguistic, nerdy kind of thing, but tense is going to be past, present, future. Aspect is was walking versus walked. How did you get any testimony of the Book of Mormon? Well, I was, I was watching General Conference when President Nelson gave the challenge. So you like was watching, gave, you know, like that's the kind of thing. If you can think of a personal experience and then go through and write it out in English first, because then you've got a great journal entry for something, an important spiritual thing in your life. And then take that and how would you say it in the mission language? And you may need to look up words because maybe you were riding a bike when a car hit you and then you went to the hospital and while you were sitting in the hospital, that's when you had this realization. And those, those words aren't going to be stuff that you're going to learn out of the, you know, preach my gospel, whatever, you know, you're going to get that somewhere else. So you may need to figure out how do I learn those vocabulary words, then write it out. And then you can go up to a member and say, you know, I'm working on, on an experience. Would you take a look at it and let me know what I could do to improve? And give them the written copy of it and have them go through and circle. And the reason that this is helpful, people like serving each other. And so if you give the members an opportunity to serve you, then that's going to be a great opportunity to have this reciprocal love. It's like you're serving them by doing things and then they can serve you by helping you with the language. But giving them something written then that will give them something that they can actually act on. If you're asking them to to make comments on your pronunciation or your speech, it's so ethereal. Like it's so hard to like really focus on that. So if you give them the, the written thing and then you get it back and then you go through and then you rewrite it and then you can practice speaking and, or if you say, what are all the words that you can say for friend? You know, friend, colleague, comrade, companion, whatever. You know, you just start figuring out, say, well, when would you use it in this sense? What does it have a different meaning here? People are fairly good at that kind of information, but just asking them to help you, unless they're a teacher, unless they have any training in pedagogy, it's going to, it might be above their ability level. I love what you said, those suggestions you gave. And it reminds me in Mosiah 18, verse eight, it talks about the covenant we make at baptism, right? And one thing it says is that As ye are desirous to come into the fold of God and be called his people and are willing to bear one another's burdens that they may be light. And so I love this idea of members and native speakers being able to help missionaries bear the burden metaphorically of learning a new language. And and it doesn't even have to be members. It could be the people that you're teaching because you love who you serve. You know, why do we, why do you love the people you're teaching? Because you're worrying about them. You're praying about them. You're trying to think of ways to serve if you allow them to serve you as well, and you can think, well, what can they do to help me with the language? And you could say, what would be the best way to say this? And then give them an opportunity to serve you. If you have a grammar book with you, 
I think it's really helpful to actually systematically go through the grammar book because what you'll notice is that oftentimes the grammar might be used in sort of rare contexts and you won't notice it the first time because you're too low. You like your level's too low. But then as you just sort of systematically are reviewing, you, you might say, oh, wait a second. I think I heard that in this context. If you're going through the grammar book and you're like going, oh, that's right. This is how they do it. And then you might notice it later. I would just say systematically reviewing a grammar book and just start noticing where it's used in the wild. And you'll notice that some of the things are used quite often. And then there are other forms that are used not as often. So one more question for you, Troy. It's very mentally taxing to learn a new language, right? Do you have any suggestions for how missionaries can handle the mental exhaustion that comes with learning a new language? I mean, first of all, you have to have fun with it. Turn it into a game and then realize that you will be tired. I remember once again on my mission, I was, you know, I had been out for like 18 months, and I ended up interpreting at church for a while. At the end of two hours or three hours of interpreting, I was mentally wiped out. I was just so exhausted. So just realize that you will be tired and give yourself permission to be tired and allow yourself to say, okay, what do I need to do to recover? I would say that's probably the best thing and just realize that you will be tired, which is a good thing. Because if you're out and you're not getting tired linguistically, it means you've gotten lazy. It means you're sort of settling in with what you can do easily, and you're not really thinking about how you can improve. Thank you so much, Troy. You've shared so many really great tips and tricks. And elders and sisters, I want to testify that, like Troy said, it's okay to make mistakes. That's part of the plan of salvation. And I'm so grateful that Heavenly Father trusts us enough to allow us to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. Is there anything else you want to share, Troy? Maybe just my own testimony that, you know, the thing that I love about language learning is I do feel like it's an opportunity to see the progression and atonement in action. If you're not pushing yourself to failure, then you're denying yourself growth opportunities. I think that the failure is inevitable. The question is, what are we going to do with it? We can sort of settle into it and speak broken Spanish or broken English or broken Italian, you know, for the rest of our lives. Or we can be mindful and we can notice it and then we can try to improve. If we're always looking for opportunities to improve and we're asking for help, the Lord can bless us and help us. I heard a thing called, we need to have humble confidence. Confidence that the Lord can support you with what you can currently do, but humility that you can realize how you can be better the next time. And I just testify that if you come with, with humble confidence, the Lord will help you with your language learning. Thank you so much. Sisters and elders, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Infield Language Learning Podcast. I want to testify just like Troy has said so beautifully during this episode that it is important to practice your language throughout the day, that as you make that effort to develop your language skills, Heavenly Father will bless you with the gifts of the Spirit, including the gift of tongues and you will be able to more fully fulfill your missionary purpose. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Infield Language Learning Podcast. Mm-hmm.